Well, good morning, and I too just want to welcome each one here. As we consider this passage here in Mark, and Jesus' Jesus' teachings here, and the, the the stories, I guess we could say, that we read about Jesus and, and the work that he did. I've just I've been really blessed looking at looking at the book of Mark so far and just trying to get a, a deeper or better understanding of what Jesus what Jesus' life was like here on this earth, what Jesus did, the things that he the things that he said, the things that he wants us to learn from his life here. So far in the, the book of Mark, we had could maybe say it's kind of been an, an introduction to, to Jesus and to his teaching. The first several verses we've had, we had the, the ministry of John the Baptist and the things that, that he said, the way that he prepared for Jesus, he was sent to prepare the way. And then he, he, John, or, uh, Mark here in, in his writings doesn't, doesn't go through the story of Jesus' birth and, and childhood at all. But he jumps right into Jesus' baptism and introducing, introducing Jesus as the Lamb of God. And from there, it went right into Jesus, the temptation in the wilderness, and Jesus, the theme of his message on the kingdom of God. And then the last time, we looked at Jesus calling his disciples. And now today, we, we get into Jesus, we might say his actual ministry or the, the actual the things that he did, the people that he met. We're just going to go through here and 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 start with this this story of when the account of when he was in in the synagogue here, beginning in verse 21, and through the account there at, at Peter's house, and and just kind of go through this a verse at a time and, and see what we can learn. I've just entitled the message this morning: Jesus teaching with authority. That's kind of the, the theme that stood out to me is this, this authority that Jesus taught with and, and how people noticed that. So I just want us to maybe think about that throughout, the, throughout our time here and just maybe think about where this authority came from or why there was so much, why there was such a difference in Jesus' teaching. And then at the end we want to look at, yeah, maybe some ways that we can apply this, apply this to us today. So we, we, we read here, Ben read these verses for us here about, about Jesus, about Jesus' teaching, and, and the, we see in the, from the passage that the people instantly noticed something different. They tell us, it says in verse 22, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. So maybe a little bit on, on the setting here, first of all. It says that he was in Capernaum in verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and it's the Sabbath day. I believe Capernaum was on, on a shore of, uh, close to Galilee, the sea there. And it's where Jesus, where Jesus called home at this point, according to, according to Matthew chapter 4. I just want to read several verses from there. It talks about, about where, Jesus, where Jesus lived. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, 
in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim. And I found it really interesting that we often refer to, as Jesus was born and as he was growing up, he was often, it was Jesus of Nazareth. We hear that, we hear that quite a bit. But here in Matthew, we also see that his moving to Capernaum here, which is, it says the borders of, of Zebulun and Nephthalim, that was also a fulfillment of prophecy. And Matthew goes on there in the next few verses, uh, verses 14, 14 and 15, in 16, he, he quotes what Isaiah the prophet had said about, says in verse 15, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light sprung, light is sprung up. And then Matthew went right into, into um, Jesus' teaching beginning at, at that point. So I, I just found it really interesting that all these places that Jesus may have called home or places where he dwelt, places where he lived, as we go back through the Old Testament, you can find pretty much all of those places prophesied. He was, he was born in Bethlehem. He was Jesus of Nazareth. And here we have, we even have this spot where he started his ministry as prophesied in, in Isaiah. And I, I believe there was probably, probably some people at least at this point that were probably following this and beginning to realize that, you know, this, this man, this, this Jesus, yes, he's the son of Joseph. We saw him growing up, and yet there's something, something going on here. And we, we see that in, in our text today in Mark chapter 1, that the people realize that something is different. So it tells us it was on the Sabbath day. He entered into the synagogue and taught. Now, we don't have a lot of, a lot of history of Jesus' childhood after his birth. When I mean, we have the account when he went to Jerusalem with his parents when he was 12. And then we don't know much about Jesus at all until his, until his baptism and his temptation in the wilderness and then his, his three years of ministry. But somewhere in that time, I believe Jesus was taught a lot, whether it was by his parents or whether he spent a lot of time in, in the synagogues, in, in the temple, just learning. But And we'll get, we'll get to, to a little bit more of this later, but Jesus, had, Jesus was God. We, we, we realize that. We understand that. But Jesus had just an immense amount of, of knowledge, I believe, that, that he just shared with these people. So he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he taught. And I believe that's another, another interesting thing about Jesus, is he told the people throughout his ministry that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And I believe just the simple, the simple act of him going to the synagogue on the Sabbath is just, just proof that he was here, he was following the law. This was, this was the way that they had done things for many, many years. The Sabbath was their day of worship. It was the day when they met their day of church, we might say, today. And Jesus, Jesus observed that. Jesus spent his, his Sabbath in the synagogue. I believe another thing that going to the synagogue did was it, 
it guaranteed an it guaranteed an audience. Jesus knew that if he enters the synagogue on a Sabbath day, there would be a lot of people there, and he would have he would have people to teach. He would have people that are maybe not always willing to listen, but people that would hear. And then Luke also gives some detail in the, the Gospel of Luke, gives some detail about what it was like when Jesus spoke in the synagogue, in the synagogue at, at Nazareth. I think we'll just read, just turn there and read a few verses there as well. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Let's just read several verses here, 16 through 22. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And then this is what Jesus read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them which are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he read that portion, and he, it says he closed the book, he gave it to the minister, and sat down. And, all the, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then he begins to explain that today, today this scripture is, is fulfilled in your ears. And we're not going to get into much of the rest of that story there, but at, at the end of that, at the end of his or as he, as he began to explain some things to them about the Scripture and the way that the Jews have not been accepting God's plan and God's prophets, they, they thrust him out of the city and were, were attempting to throw him over the, over the edge of the cliff there, but he just kind of disappeared. It just gives us a, a, it's just another account of what Jesus did on the Sabbath, his, his going into the synagogue, his, his teaching people, and even though his his teaching, even though his teaching was not always accepted very well, I believe it's something that he continued to do. Just because of some resistance, Jesus didn't stop. He continued teaching in the synagogue. So back to Mark chapter one, verse twenty-two. It says, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. I was also going to look at the passage in Matthew chapter 7, which Emmanuel already referred to this morning. I just want to look briefly at that again. Matthew chapter 7, the, the verses where the officers came out to... They were sent out to arrest Jesus... Sorry, not Matthew, it's John. John chapter 7. The officers were sent out there to arrest Jesus, but his, as they heard him teaching, as they heard his words, they made the comment in, in verse 46. The officers said, or this was the officers' report as they came back to the Pharisees. They said, never, a man, never, spake, never man spake like this man. So there again, they were just surprised. They never heard anything like this before. They never heard anybody 
just being able to to um, explain the gospel, explain the explain the law, just explain explain things like Jesus did. It was so much so that they couldn't even they they couldn't even arrest him. They couldn't really talk against him. They couldn't find a reason to arrest him. I believe they too were astonished at his doctrine. They also realized that there was a higher authority here. There was an authority here that they just simply could not go against. And the, the, last, the last phrase there in verse 22 in, in Mark chapter 1, it says, and not as the scribes. So I pondered that phrase a little bit. So they were used to hearing, hearing the scribes talk to them in the synagogue. They were used to hearing the scribes' teaching. And here comes this other man, that, this, this Jesus, this, this, this new scribe, they may have called him, this new teacher, and it's, it's completely different. His way of teaching, his way of, his way of relaying the scripture is just completely different. It's something that they never heard before. I believe many times the, the scribes of that day would, they would oftentimes quote maybe a, a rabbi, a, a popular rabbi. They would try to, to use his teachings as, as authority or as something that's truth. And yet, I believe here's Jesus, and they realize that there is, there's an authority elsewhere. It's not just in, in some of these other men that their scribes are used to quoting. Jesus would say things like, as we look at, at Matthew, especially the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say it many times. He, he said the phrase, but I say unto you. He says, you have, you have heard before, but I say unto you. And I believe it was, it was some of those words that made the people understand that, that Jesus, is, Jesus is, he's heeding to a higher power. He's heeding to, to God. I, and I believe there's some people that understood where Jesus' authority was coming from. But as we read throughout the New Testament, there's many that, that I believe intentionally rejected it, and probably many that at times just did not understand. And I really appreciate your devotional this morning, Emmanuel, with the story of Nicodemus, somebody that was seeking. He, I believe Nicodemus was one that really wanted to understand. He was one that he heard this new doctrine, he heard this new teaching, and he wanted to understand. In Mark chapter 2, verse 10, talking still on the subject of Jesus and his authority. Jesus, Jesus spoke like this because he had authority. Jesus has authority. He is the authority. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us that he even, has, he even had the power on earth to forgive sin. This was the account of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. It says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. And that was, that was a statement that it, at times brought Jesus a lot of contradiction as well because they often had the idea that only God can do this. But Jesus here, Jesus was God. Jesus had that power. He had that authority. In 
As we get into uh, verse 23 here in Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus' Jesus' teachings, Jesus not only taught with authority, but he also he also had he also did did miracles. There was things that he showed his authority in other ways as well. And we have the account here in verse 23 of this man with an unclean spirit. It says, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And the way it's written here, it, it, it sounds like this man was probably a regular in their synagogue. He was probably there maybe every week. It says, he was, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And Jesus, Jesus demonstrated his power, his authority over this spirit by, by casting him out, casting this, this devil out of this man. In verse 26, sorry, verse 25, it says, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. There's quite a number of accounts throughout the New Testament where Jesus and sometimes his disciples as well cast out these unclean spirits. And I've often, I've just looked into this a little bit and I'd like to, I'd like to study it some more, but what, what is this actually referring to? What are these, what are these men, these people that, that Jesus healed, what are they actually possessed with? What is this? And at this point, I've not been able to find a clear, a clear verse in the Bible that states the origin of this, but there, there have been people that have believed it's just simply the, the spirit of wicked men. But I believe there's enough of verses, and there's several verses in the Bible that would refer to maybe more the thing of, of fallen angels, because it often tells us that these, these spirits or these demons, they knew Jesus. They knew who he was. Somewhere there had been a, it seems somewhere there had been a connection, which I think would make sense with the, the fallen angel thing. They, they knew who Jesus was. If we look in 2 Peter chapter 2, Second Peter chapter two and verse four it says, "For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment." There's a lot of a lot of Bible scholars would say that these are the that some of these some of these angels that sin would have been released and would have possessed some of these people in this during this time. And there's also the verse in Jude, verse 6. It says, And the angels which kept not their first state, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And I find it interesting. There's, there's more, there's, there are more accounts of of people with these these demon possessions during the time of Jesus than we than we read about during any other time throughout the Bible. And I I I believe there may have there may be something here that God may have allowed this in order for Jesus to to use his authority to show his authority and help people understand 
who Jesus actually is. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, explained to the people there that, well, we'll just turn there. Matthew chapter 12, he explained that his casting out the devils is proof of the the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, he says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And this was the account where where they were accusing Jesus of casting out devils. They said in verse 24 in Matthew chapter 12, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth cast out devils, but but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So they were accusing Jesus of having this power because he was a devil himself. But Jesus told them, he says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? But if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judge. And then we have the verse in 28 where it says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. I believe just another, just a confirmation of, of Jesus and his authority, of God and his, his sovereignty, his ability, to, his ability to control everything that happens, everything that Yes, his ability to control everything that happens. And Jesus, being here on this earth as a man, still had that, he was still God. He still had that authority and that ability as well. As I said, I don't completely understand this, but it's, it's, it's been an interesting, it's, it's an interesting study, and it's something that, that I believe in, in our community, the way we live, we probably don't feel or see so much of this, this darkness as in some areas. There's some places of the world where I believe this is, this is still a, a, is a really real struggle, a really real thing that people face is this, this demon possession and just the power of darkness. If we go back again to Mark chapter 1 and verse 27... We again have a verse that, that tells us, And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what, is this, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. They're just, they're just, these people are amazed, and they're just wondering, you know, what, what is this authority? Who is this person? Who gives him, where does he draw his power? Just lots of, lots of questions that they're coming up with here. Hebrews, 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at, first, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Just verses confirming that these things that these people saw and heard of Jesus, they, they passed these, these experiences on. They told, their, 
They told their friends. They told the next generation about these things that they heard. This new doctrine that they, that they, were, that they experienced. And I believe they understood that, that Jesus was not only... He was not only speaking with authority, but he was also acting with authority. The things that he did. It tells us in verse 28 that his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So it's obvious that people were not keeping this quiet. They were, they were spreading this news. As we move then into verses 29 through 34... Mark gives the account of, as, as we go throughout the book of Mark, Mark, Mark gives just one story after another. It, it, it gives a really, it shows Jesus' life as being really busy. He goes from, from one thing right into the next. So he, he was in the synagogue, in, probably in the morning on the Sabbath day. And after, the, after they're finished there, he goes home with, with Simon and Andrew in verse 29. He goes to Simon and Andrew's house, and James and John go with him. And they, they come into Simon's house there, and Simon's mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, is, is sick. She has a fever. And as soon as he gets there, they, they tell him about this. And I don't know if this was the plan all along, if they were hoping to, if they thought Jesus might heal, or if this was something that they thought about during the, the time at the synagogue, but it tells us that they, they immediately tell Jesus about, about this woman that's sick. And Jesus, in verse 31, takes her hand, says, He came and took her by the hand, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And, he, and there again, I'm not exactly sure on all the, the time frame, the time slots throughout the day here, but it goes right into verse 32. It says, And at even, when, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. So after the, after the sun set on the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was officially over. So the people knew that Jesus went to, to Simon's house, but it, it looks like they waited until the Sabbath was over, and then they just they flocked to that house. They brought all their sick people. They brought all those that were possessed with devils, and they, they wanted to see more of this. They wanted to hear more of this. And as I, as I think of Jesus and his teaching in the synagogue at the, in the morning, he was with, with Simon. He healed his mother-in-law in the afternoon. And I don't know how much time elapsed here, but then in the evening, the people just flock by at sunset the people just they just come to the house it says the whole city came to the door of the house doesn't give doesn't seem like Jesus had a break verse 34 it says and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils but again he told the devils says he suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him he again commanded the devils to keep silent So for the rest of our time now, we want to look a little bit at maybe some things that we can apply to our lives or some lessons we can learn from, from Jesus' ministry here this, this Sabbath day. As we, as we look throughout 
the New Testament, there's times when Jesus' miracles and the works, the great works that he did, some people were distracted by that. There are times when when Jesus rebuked the people for following him only because of what they see or only because they knew he could maybe heal them. But Jesus wanted people to follow him. He wanted to reach their heart as well, not just their physical healing and their physical, you know, the, the excitement of the miracles. And I believe Herod was a, the story of Herod was one, is one that I believe is really obvious. Herod, during Jesus' trial, he was really excited that Pilate would send Jesus to him because he wanted to see a miracle. He had heard a lot about Jesus. He wanted to see a miracle. And when Jesus didn't perform a miracle, he had his soldiers completely just abuse Jesus. I believe somebody that Herod is just a, a real example of somebody that was completely distracted by, by the miracles, by the power that Jesus by the power that Jesus had. Matthew 28, verse 18. It's a very familiar verse. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, talking about his disciples, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus goes on there and instructs his disciples to teach all nations, to baptize people, and to teach them to observe his commands. We often refer to these verses as as the Great Commission. But recently I've, I've heard, the, I heard the statement made that this was more a great continuation. And I believe that's, that's really what it was. Jesus wanted his disciples to continue what he had started. And I believe that's what Jesus still wants for us today. We, we see these, we read these accounts in the Bible. We realize what Jesus taught and the teaching that we've received, that I received as a young person, and that many of us have received ever since we were young, I believe Jesus wants us to continue that. I believe that command to teach all nations, to teach all nations in, in the power of Jesus' name is, is still for us today. It's just a continuation of what Jesus was here to do. Another thing I believe we can learn from, from Jesus in in these passages, passages today is his interaction with, with Simon's, Simon's wife's mother here. His, just his compassion. It says he took her by the hand, he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And we see that many times throughout the New Testament. As Jesus ministered to people, as Jesus healed people, he would often, he would often take them by the hand. He would often lay a hand on them. We see that with when the children came unto him. Jesus, I believe, was very compassionate. He didn't turn people away. He ministered to people. And again, I believe, I believe Jesus wants that of us, wants that of his people, his followers today. And then also here with Simon's mother-in-law, I believe another lesson we can learn here is that when she was healed, it says the fever left her and she ministered unto them. I believe she used that blessing then to, to serve others. She didn't just take that blessing and that healing and just enjoy it herself, but she used that to, she then immediately served others. She ministered unto them. As I said, Jesus didn't turn people away. As we see in the whole city was gathered, was gathered at the door, 
And yet Jesus says he healed many that were sick. He cast out devils. He didn't turn them away. Brings us then to verse, verse 35. just want to look at the next few verses here yet as well. Verse 35. And I believe this is a, can be a, a real, it was a real challenge to me. And I think it's something that we can learn from today. It says, and in the morning, this is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And I, I take this as being the next morning, right after the Sabbath. So Jesus, as we saw, had a really busy day that Sabbath. Even after dark, the people kept coming, or the people started coming. But it tells us that in the morning, the next morning, he rose up a great while before day. He went out into a solitary place. There's... In, uh, in Luke, Luke calls it a deserted place, somewhere where he could be all alone. And it says, and there, and there prayed. And I believe this is, this is probably the key, one of the keys to Jesus being able to teach with authority, Jesus being able to, to teach and, and relay God's message the way that he did was because of this connection with God. Jesus... We see that quite a bit throughout his ministry. Jesus was a man of prayer. There's the account in, in also in Mark chapter 6, where we have a lot, a lot the same. Jesus, he had sent the people... Yes, this was while Jesus walked on... When, after Jesus, or just before he walked on the water, he had sent the people away that evening... And he departed into a mountain to pray. It, it, just, it just blessed me to see that Jesus, even though he was, he was God, but in, as he was here on this earth as a man, the importance of that connection with his Father, the importance of prayer, the, the way that Jesus prayed, the time he spent in prayer, you know, how much more important is that for us today as as humans, as, as people of, as people, you know, living in the flesh, in the world today, how much more important is it for us to spend that time with God in prayer? Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. It says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I believe is if if we as as God's children, we as followers of Jesus, take that time to be still before God. It will exalt His name throughout the earth. Jesus also remained true to His purpose. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose, with a purpose, and He remained true to that. So we look at the next few verses here in Mark chapter one. It says in verse 36, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, when they found him at this, this solitary place where he went to pray, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Verse 38, And Jesus said unto them, Let us go into the next town, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. 
Jesus reminded the disciples of his purpose, why he's here. He came to, he came to, to spread the word. He didn't just come and stay at that one spot, but Jesus, Jesus moved about from town to town just, just following the purpose that he was here for, to preach, to preach there also. There's a quote by Oswald J. Smith, and he said, no, man, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. Now we might say, well, we've heard it many times, and well, I don't know that if, this, if this quote is exactly true, but it really did, it really made me think. And I believe the fact remains that we are called to we are called to spread the gospel. That was Jesus' purpose on this earth. And I believe he wants us to continue in that purpose. He left, he left this earth, but he sent the Holy Spirit to... And we heard, we heard that this morning in devotions. Thank you for that, Manuel. As, that, as God's Spirit fills us, then we can then, it can then flow from us to those around us. And I just want to close with the verse in Mark 16, verse 15. Where it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Shall we kneel for prayer?